Well, good morning. We are thankful that you are here this morning. It's kind of one of those uh, mixed crowds again. We've got a bunch who are out. We've got several who are sick, as has been said in our announcements already. Certainly some that we want to pray for. Uh, several that are mentioned, uh, Beverly Elliott even texted me this morning, said her and Duck were not feeling well and they wouldn't be out either. So got some who are just sick, certainly some who are visiting their mothers and grandmothers possibly and are away uh, visiting family. And so uh, we're missing some there, but then certainly we have some visitors with us as well, or maybe some who are not quite visitors, uh, but aren't here with us all the time. And we're thankful that you're here and uh, the good crowd that we can have here together this morning. Now, I do just have to tell real quick that uh, there was a little mix up in the bulletin this week and the day we did it. So Thursday morning, Faith and I came in early. So she, Faith called Don. Don said, I'm busy this morning. I've not picked my songs out yet. Let Joel pick them out. I said, all right. So if you like the songs this morning, you can blame me or thank me. But I told him. I texted him and said, I picked out all one verse songs so I'd have more time for the sermon. So, and he said, I've been known to lead him more than once. So I don't know if that's what that was or not, but uh, he's trying to still make plenty of time for the singing. But uh, we are thankful you're here. It's always a good time of worship. We appreciate so much your singing together, uh, beautiful singing here and the time that we can share. A couple of other notes as we sometimes have to go through to start our sermon real quick. Uh, there is an article on the bulletin, or excuse me, on the table in the foyer. It's a bulletin article from the Spiritual Sword. Uh, Mr. Bill, Brother Bill, had uh, some copies made, uh, one by Alan Hires, and he'd like to hand those out. They'll be out there. We'll try to point you towards them again and make sure you get those. But as always, if uh, you don't have, get a copy or would like to get a copy of the Spiritual Sword, there's lots of good articles in there, and we appreciate Bill making a copy of one in particular that we can uh, study and learn from, and we are thankful for that, and you can grab one of those. As well, just a reminder one more time that we will not be going to the Saudi Daisy Healthcare Center today for this month. Uh, don't, I want to make that clear because we had said that it was there in the bulletin. So uh, you don't have to go today or plan to be there, but we'll look forward to going back again the next time that we have an opportunity. Uh, of course, as has already been said, let me take just a moment and uh, wish a happy Mother's Day to many of you. Uh, my father-in-law, who I've, of course, learned a lot from over the years, has kind of always made the statement, you know, that the calendar, you know, is not going to dictate a sermon, and so that's good sometimes, you know, and other times maybe it's not okay, and sometimes it does, maybe just a little bit, so I don't necessarily have the best Mother's Day sermon lined up, but we do want you to know we're thankful that you're here. I say that to say as well that I saw online this week, preachers that I know uh, are friends with or familiar with, one said, you know, I had his Mother's Day sermon ready to go, another one said, you know, I try not to do that because you never know when there's women in the audience who maybe made by choice never had children or maybe uh, were not able to have children, um, you know, or maybe, of course, had a tragic accident and lost a child. So uh, whatever state that you may be in, especially to our mothers, we're thankful that you're here today and for the opportunity that we can take uh, to honor a special person in our lives um, even today. You know, the Bible speaks in many different places of the idea of being alone. One of those is in James chapter 2 and verse number 24. You may be familiar with this one. He says, James says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. This is a pretty familiar passage to many people in the world because we talk about the idea of faith only or faith alone. Now, James says that we are not justified by faith alone, that works is involved along the way. But, but again, being alone or this idea of faith alone. Paul as well in Romans chapter 11 in verse number 3 and speaking of Elijah, a quotation there in Romans chapter 11 says, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. A cry out 
for being alone. Not again in a good sense necessarily, more of a worrisome sense, but it's not good sometimes to be alone. We worry about that and sometimes we feel alone. Even as we said in our Bible class here in the auditorium this morning that the world is so terrible around us and we consider this idea sometimes that we are alone. Now, of course, you look around you in the room here, and we're not alone, completely alone as an individual is one. But yes, sometimes we feel alone. And of course, Elijah speaks about that. In Matthew chapter 4, in verse number 4, it says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Again, a quotation here from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8, in verse number 3. But the idea that something alone is not good or may not be enough. Man shall not live by bread alone. And as Jesus uses scripture, if you will, or the word of God, as he is being tempted to answer, it is not good that man should live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This this book, these pages cannot give us enough, cannot feed us physically, doesn't give us nutrients per se, but we cannot live only by bread. We must have the word of God to help us along the way. Another one that you are also familiar with is Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. And you know this passage because it's quoted many times, not only from the pulpit in our sermons, but even as well as we consider marriage ceremonies and the things that men and women oftentimes go through. And we consider this idea that it is not good that man should be alone. If you notice in the Bible, we can't go verse by verse, but as you look on the first couple of pages, this is the first thing that is mentioned as not being good. We oftentimes talk about creation in the days of creation and we talk about how God saw it, God did it, God saw it and said or proclaimed that it was good. And rightfully so, even on a rainy, yucky day like today, we can look around us and be thankful for all the things that God created. But God looked and he said, it is not good that man should be alone. You know, you you know me pretty well. We've even had a few lessons already. I like some of the somewhat humorous things that are in the Bible. I don't mean to be, again, sacrilegious or disrespectful, but I think sometimes the Bible uh, presents for us images that are a little funny or humorous to think about. If you had your Bible open to Genesis chapter 2, you may notice one of those that's there. In Genesis chapter 2 and continuing on to verse number 19, it says... Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. In verse number 20, So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. I think it's interesting here, and I think it's a humorous image because we get the idea that the animals are paraded before Adam to be named, but maybe also as a byproduct, Adam and maybe along with God are looking for a helper comparable to him. And so maybe you picture Adam standing there and the lion passing by, and there comes a badger. 
And yes, we know there were badgers. We talked about it in Exodus, if you recall. And I won't quiz our young people here in front of you and embarrass them, but we talked about badger skins in the book of Exodus in regards to the tabernacle. And you can picture somewhat in a humorous sense a badger walking in front of Adam and Adam going, well, you know, maybe a little cute, maybe not. I don't know, but I don't think that's going to work. Or even maybe the eagle flies by. And again, he's naming things, but the Bible kind of looks like maybe he's also checking. Well, I don't know. Maybe that would be helpful. I could fly around. I could get somewhere quicker. But I don't know if that's quite the helper comparable to me or someone that I need. And yes, maybe even the cow goes by or the pig or any other thing that we might imagine that would sound funny to us parading by Adam. And Adam is saying, even as it says there in verse number 20, there was not found a helper comparable to him. It was not good that man should be alone. Man needed in the Hebrew and Azer, a help me, if you've got the King James in front of you, a help me that would help him. We like that word. We like to consider that, especially in regards to our marriages. That word is used other times in the Old Testament. One that you may be familiar with is Psalm 121 and verse number one. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. The word there, azer, is of the help me or someone who would help. Man needed a helper, a help meet, someone who was comparable to him. Man needed this perfect thing, if you will, this perfect partner. The Bible says, made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. Man needed an azer, a help meet. Man needed a partner and doing many different things. Again, God said it is not good that man should be alone. As we think about Adam and Eve there in the garden, man needed help keeping God's laws. Even back up in chapter 2 where God says to obey the things that he has told him to do and get, has given him these commands, man needed help keeping God's laws. Man needed help replenishing the earth by ways of reproduction, of course. Having dominion over the animal life, which God said that man should do. And yes, probably even tending the Garden of Eden and making life there. Man needed a helpmeet, an azer to help him. Somewhere along the way, though, we lost our way. Somewhere along the path, along the journey, we lost our way. And I don't know if it's what subsequently happens there in the garden. And, and it does play a role because the Bible says that this is another lesson for another time. Uh, we may talk about this again in the future, but there, there is a role for man and there is a role for woman. And, and what happens there in the garden plays a part in that. The Bible says so, but, but maybe man lost his way or maybe woman or woman, womanhood lost her way, but we've lost the design. We've lost the specialness in the design that God has made for man and for woman. And I saw this quote recently that's shared by another preacher, and I'd like to share it with you this morning and see what you think. It says, our generation is so busy or becoming so busy trying to prove that women can do what men can do, that women are losing their uniqueness. And it continues on to the next page. Women weren't created to do everything a man can do, but women were created to do everything a man can't do. And I think that's an interesting thought for us to consider this morning. 
Women were created to do everything a man can't do. Think about that for just a moment. There's a divine order in the creation of things. There's a divine order in the home. And there's a divine order in the church. But men can't do it alone. Men can't do it alone. Despite what we as men sometimes think, despise the, uh, despite the tough guy persona that we sometimes like to tout around and carry around, we can't do it alone. That's not the way that God designed it. Do you know what my wife's biggest fear is? It's that she'll die. Okay, but not that she'll die or that she'll die some horrible, terrible, painful death, but that she'll die and her children, the fruit of her womb will be left alone with me of all people. Okay, that's her biggest fear. Their teeth won't be brushed for weeks on end. Their clothes won't match ever again. Why? Because it's not good that man should be left alone, much less left alone with children under his watch by himself. And yes, even today, we're thankful for our mothers and grandmothers and aunts and wives and all the women in this room, even today, who are a part of our life, who make up what our life is. It's not good that man should be alone. And I think that's an interesting quote, and I don't even know where it came from originally. And I'll go back if you'll allow me to. Our generation, I don't even know who you might attribute that to exactly, but we have, as a world, become so busy trying to make it that men and women are equal and the same, and we'll get there in just a moment, but we're losing the design of the situation, the way God intended it to be, because women, woman, was created to do everything that man can't do. And unfortunately, we don't have time to go through that entire list this morning, all right, in the lesson. But yes, that list could get quite lengthy of things that I cannot do in caring for my children in certain ways and in doing so many other things. But here's an interesting fact. Here's an interesting fact. Just as aloneness wasn't good in the garden, it isn't good in the church either. Just as aloneness wasn't good in the garden, it isn't good in the church either. And again, it's not that one is better than the other. This sermon is not exactly a Mother's Day sermon. It's not exactly a sermon meant to talk about all the things that are going on in our world with women and women's rights and that kind of thing. It's kind of a, a combination of all of that. But again, it's not that one is better than the other, that man is better than woman or woman is better than man. In fact, Jesus himself interacted or excuse me, bore record of that. He interacted with women as we read about on the pages of the the different gospel accounts. He talked to women as he went along the way. He even gave women a special role in his resurrection. We could have spent the whole sermon just simply on those aspects. But yes, he talked to women. He interacted with women. He helped women. And when you look at the different gospel accounts, even post-resurrection, there are different instances of women being involved in the situation. If you've got your Bible this morning, look in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, because not only did Jesus show this to us, but Paul said it as well. Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 26. Paul says, for you are all, yes, all, all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Notice verse number 28. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul said it here. Men and women are equal. Men and women are equal. But what we have to notice is they're not the same. Men and women are men and women are equal, but they are not the same. I believe that's where the world has kind of gotten off base. I made the statement earlier that maybe we've lost our way. I think that's part of it. We want to make men and women not only equal, but the same. But God said men and women are equal, especially and absolutely in Christ and in baptism and in salvation. But they're not the same. We have different roles. We have different capabilities that we can do. That doesn't mean that women are necessarily weaker. They're not intellectually weaker. Absolutely not. There are many women who I would rather not face in some type of quiz competition or knowledge competition. And they're absolutely certainly not spiritually weaker. Again, there are probably some women, maybe even in this room this morning, that I wouldn't even want to go up against spiritually. Or maybe even in some type of knowledge competition, according to what the Bible has to say. Because women are not inferior in that sense. Men and women are equal, but they're not the same. Aloneness wasn't good in the garden, and it isn't good in the church. Women and men are equal, but they are not the same. And what we've done is we've created this atmosphere or the world has done that. And maybe we in the church have even contribute, contributed to that just a little bit where we've created this problem. And I can tell you this morning where the problem sometimes begins. It begins right here. This thing right here. We put so much emphasis on this thing right here. That we think that that's the only place that work can be done. I'm here to tell you this morning that 99% of the work of the church of being a Christian takes place outside of this room in particular. And by the way, that's not just an exaggeration. That's the math. Go home and take 24 hours a day by seven days a week and divide it by the two hours that we're in this room. 99% of the work is done outside this room. And if we're being generous, we can add on the two hours that we're in the classrooms down the hall here during a week. And 98% of the work is done outside this building. And again, maybe some of the fault falls within those in the world today. But oftentimes the fault can even be laid here at the feet of Christians. We can put so much emphasis on a piece of wood or a stage or a pulpit or even a microphone that we think that that's all that matters. There is so much work to be done and it doesn't all take place right here. If you've got your Bible, look in Titus chapter 2 and notice the words of Paul again as he talks about the importance of these things. Titus chapter 2, look at verses 1 through 10, but we don't have time to read all of those. Let's just grab the first few. Paul, writing to Titus, says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Now, we misuse that word sound a little bit sometimes. It means healthy. Notice the things that are there for healthy doctrine. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, 
that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Notice here that these are qualities, and the Bible that I'm using has some headings, and they're man-made headings, but mine says qualities of a sound church, qualities of a healthy church. And notice as well that it doesn't just say mothers, it says older women. That all women in a congregation be involved in teaching the young women. You know, oftentimes we have these sermons lined up. And again, this is somewhat of a reaction to the world around us today. But we have our sermon lined up on Father's Day to take our fathers and bash them in the ground. And tell them how much better they need to be. And they need to be strong men. And they need to be leaders in the home. And sometimes on Mother's Day, we, we treat our women carefully as we should, and we talk about how much we love them and how hard they work. And maybe neither one of those things in and of themselves are wrong. But I'm here to tell you this morning, our young women are in desperate need of older women. Wives, mothers, grandmothers, aunts, anybody in the church, older women who can help guide them. And again, that's not to let the husbands off the hook. That's not to place all the blame on the mothers or on the women. But together, as part of a healthy church, healthy doctrine, it takes all of us working together. And our young women in this world are in desperate need of some of these examples. And it's not just because of the women in this church or even the Church of Christ or anybody in particular. But yes, while our fathers sometimes fall down on the job, sometimes our mothers do as well. And we need these examples. Just think about where most of the work is done. Again, this pulpit is great. I'm thankful to have it and to be here and share with you. But most of the work is not done right here in the couple of hours that I can stand here and talk to you each week. I think about the examples from the Bible. Look in Acts chapter 16, first of all. Acts 16, 14 through 15, where we read about Lydia. We need modern day Lydias that open their hearts and their homes for Christ. Notice there, if you turn to notice about Lydia, Luke records for us by inspiration that the Lord opened her heart. Her heart was opened to heed the things spoken by Paul. And then she opened her home. Her heart was open and she opened her home and begged them to stay. So much so that they relented and had to give in. We need modern day Lydia's opening their heart and opening their home. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. You notice Dorcas there, or Tabitha, depending on the version or the names that are listed there. We need modern day Dorcas's that help the poor. You may recall what happens there. She's listed as someone who is full of good works and charitable deeds. How are we known? Are we known by our title? Are we known by a name that we wear? Are we known by our good works and our charitable deeds? And notice that when she dies, the widows stand by and they're weeping. And what do they have? They have something that they can put their hands on and show and say, this is what she did. They're showing their life by standing there and reacting that way. But they even have something physically that they can put their hands on and say, This is what she made. This is the impact she made. We need modern day Lydia's. We need modern day Dorcas's. I think about Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and into chapter 2. We need modern day Hannah's who train and give their sons and daughters over for service in the church. You think about the way that Hannah prays. I use that example of Hannah there in 1 Samuel 1 as a a lesson on prayer because of the, the way that she fervently prays. But she prays. 
If you will give me this son, I will give him to you. And of course, she does just that. We need women who will fill all of these different roles. Again, think about where the work is done. Our Bible classes, our ladies' day. By the way, we're getting ready for our vacation Bible school. We need our women to help in those roles. Our sweet cards, our sweet calls, the sweet visits, and on and on and on. I started making a list this week. That was one route I was going to go with a lesson. And the list got to be so long of all the things that the women here are already involved with. It's encouraging. Just like a Garden of Eden with only one gender, with only a man, just like that garden was incomplete, and in the words of the Holy Scripture, not good, same thing is true in the church. A church with only one gender, a church with only one man, a church without woman is incomplete. It is not good. We're thankful today for our mothers and our grandmothers and all of those who had a part in our lives in raising us. But I'm thankful as well for all of the women who are gathered here this morning. The important part that they play, yes, even within these walls and outside these walls and within the church of our God. Our young women and even, yes, our young men as sons need that example. I told you that this lesson was not necessarily about mothers. It wasn't necessarily about women's role. It's not necessarily about gender, because that's another lesson that we might can do further about how our world is trying to blur the gender lines. But know this morning that God had a design. He had a plan. And we can see it there in the Garden of Eden. We can see it on the pages of the New Testament, the letters from Paul to the church of what a healthy church should look like. And even on a day like today, we can be thankful for the example and the influence of women all women upon our lives from a young age and even as we get older. This morning, you can put your Bibles away, and if you want to, you can pull out your songbook if you choose to use one. It's, it's at the end of the lesson here that we extend the Lord's invitation. And it's kind of a funny thing sometimes because the invitation is, is always open, but this is a matter of convenience. And sometimes, again, it naturally flows from the lesson and the invitation and other times, like today on Mother's Day, maybe it doesn't. But as we conclude this lesson this morning, maybe you're here and you recognize that your life is not right with God. God has made a simple plan of salvation. And yes, that invitation is open to the Jew and the Greek. And it's open to men and it's open to women. God made this simple plan of salvation that if we would become obedient, and maybe you would choose to do that even this morning, that you can become a child of God. That through baptism, the washing away of your sins, the blood of Christ, washing away your sins, the Lord can add you to his church. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you want to be a part of a healthy church. The church that meets here, but most importantly, the church of God. The body, the people assembled, loving God, seeking to do his will. We would gladly assist you with that this morning. We would gladly study with you even this day to help you understand what a great decision that is. Maybe you're here and you've done that before and you've wandered away. You've had the sin 
in your life that separates you from God. Maybe you become a Christian in times past and you, you understood the healing power of the blood of Christ. But maybe the world has sort of pulled you back in and sin has separated you from God. We're thankful for the opportunity to repent of our sins and return again unto him because he is faithful to forgive us that we can again walk in the light as he is in the light. Maybe you need the prayers of this congregation. It's for all those reasons we'll be singing to, to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing.